What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is the New York Yankees. We finally got here. I stalled a lot with the Yankees because I kind of figured they might add Blake Snell, but we haven't gotten there. And uh, all right, fine. We are not going to talk about Blake Snell today. No, we are going to talk about Garrett Cole, many others. And what's really shocking to me? Garrett Cole was forever this entire offseason. Yeah, he's just the most consistent starter. Here it is. He's going to be SP number one. I think I'm going to have him as SP number two. And I'm a little scared. Why? Because his four-seamer got worse. Actually, I recorded the second episode of The Craft with Eno yesterday. And I got to tell you guys, that is like, it's the dream pitching podcast I've always wanted to have. OTC is amazing. It is so fun. It's also a different kind of thing where it's me just kind of explaining my thought process. With Eno, it's just this wonderful tangent of things. We don't really have much of a plan. We have like two things we want to get to, but like it's we talk about like 20 different pitchers and different stories and things in it. It's the best hour you'll ever spend about pitching. Um, seriously, there's nothing like that on the market, I think, right now. Go sub to it. Um, it has its own podcast feed. It will not be on the main pitcherless fantasy baseball one. Okay. It's going to be a separate one called the baseball feed soon and individually subscribe to the craft um, with me and Eno recording, recurring guests, I should say, uh, with Eno, but it's, it's me and Eno just doing a podcast together weekly. Anyway, we talked about Cole. And what I found doing this was that Garrett Cole's VAA got worse, which is strange. He's always had elite. VA marks of like 1.5 if you're using the peel of V apps and it came down to 1.2. His IVB used to be even like 17 plus and even after sticky stuff was still elite. But then it fell down last year to like 16 and change. And then uh, his extension isn't amazing and his velocity came down a tick. And what? This was not like the big swinging strike rate pitch all of a sudden. He had around 9% swing strike rates to right-handers. And it's actually, looking into it, I never really spent any time looking at Garrett Cole because he's just always like, yeah, you're just really good and amazing. Who cares? I was really shocked to see that his four-seamer just never has been that overwhelming uh, swing strike pitch. It's because actually it's been more of called strikes and guys just are passive on it while the slider has done all the work. But... To see him lose uh, swing strike rates against lefties is weird. That used to be 21% swing strike rate in 2021 to 18% in 2022. Now 13%. And wait, neither against lefties or righties. Righties is exceeding 13% on swing strikes on his four-seamer. Garrett Cole, what is going on? And Ina made a great point during that podcast saying, yeah, Garrett Cole um, felt that adding the cutter is going to mess him up with the four-seamer. And make it so that he doesn't quite have as good of a four-seamer. And guess what? That's what happened. Wow. Um, so maybe he works on it this offseason says, I know I had that cutter that kind of worked last year to help nullify home runs. And he did. 0.8 homer per nine is pretty cool. And maybe this is just kind of how we settle. Maybe this is like, you know what? Instead of having a 1.4 homer per nine, even though we know that the ball was a little bit different, especially like even there's some investigative stuff about... Uh, Cole getting those different baseballs because Aaron Judge uh, was getting served the ceremonial baseballs more than anyone else, which is so weird in 2022 and all of that. All I'm getting at is the home run rate was really low for Cole last year, under one, which was a big reason why his ERA was under three. Uh, the whip was so good. 
and the strikeout rate was not over 30%, and I'm still a little worried that, like, okay, um, that four-seamer isn't as elite as I thought it was. Also, the slider is now a lot worse for, uh, for Garrett Cole. This pitch was just not as consistent, and I remember tracking it through the year, just seeing, like, yeah, it's not quite there. Um, it normally holds, like, 33% plus CSW marks. It was under 30, it was actually around 28%, which is, oh, so strange. And its O-swing was just 33%. This is supposed to be like 40%. Like, what is going on? So, um, it's odd. It's really weird. And at the same time, he just had a super successful season. Kind of weird to see, like, I never quote XFIP. But we have it on our site because I know people. some people like it. His XFIP from 2023 matches the 2022 ERA. And the XFIP from 2022 matches the 2023 ERA, which is kind of funny. Um, it, it essentially says, hey, look, like he should be in the middle as far as the home runs he allowed. I mean, that's what league average was. Long story short, Garrett Cole is just my SP2 because of that degre- degradation on the four-seamer and the fact that the slider was also worse last year. And maybe he's just not a 30% strikeout guy. It's possible. Um, he also still was super high on total strikeouts last year because he pitched his 200 innings for a winning ball club and won a Cy Young and... Uh, is still like flirting with the 30% K rate. So maybe I'm being dumb about this. Um, maybe he should be SB number one still. Uh, I don't have to make my decision until next week. But it did weird me out a little. That's all. That's so much time for it for like Garrett Cole, which really shouldn't shouldn't take that long. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, what's also interesting is Carlos Rodon and Nestor Cortez. And long story short here, Carlos Rodon, I talked to Steven Lyman. He's going to be inside the main feed as uh, an OTC, the, the conversation I had with him at PitchCon. It's also on YouTube, by the way. All the YouTube, all the other uh, PitchCon videos are officially on YouTube. Go check it out now. It's awesome. The Cole Reagan's interviews there, the Jeff Passan interview, uh, any of the panels that you like, uh, you wanted to see and you missed the PitchCon, it's all on YouTube on our channel, youtube.com slash pitchless. So go check that out. But I talked to Steven Lyman about Carlos Rodon and with uh, Nesta Cortez, and he's terrified about both of them. More so with... I think Cortez because it's a rotor rotator cuff surgery, which stinks so much because uh, that four seamer is legit. Like in so many ways, one of the highest PLVs for a reason, 19 IVB with elite VAA, like that thing soars and Nestor Cortez should be excellent. If he is healthy, I don't believe he's going to be healthy. I'm going to have him down my ranks just because I just, I really don't think that a guy with that missed two times, two I had two moments last year missing time due to rotator cuff uh, pain or surgery or just, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. You know what I mean? He was there on the IL and then came back for one game and then was placed back on the IL again for rotator cuff uh, pain. So not a good situation there for Cortez. That's like the death sentence for a pitcher and it's terrible. With Carlos Rodon, what worries me is that it was a forearm strain. We think about the back with Rodon, and that was initially the thing, but it was actually a forearm strain that kept him out for four months. And then he had the back stuff or whatever. And we really only saw him cook for two games, including uh, where the video is inside of the rotation breakdown of him throwing 99, I believe, on his last pitch. And that's like classic Rodon, where he was at 96 those two games. He would ramp up in starts. Like, Old school, 2021, 2022. I know it doesn't seem old school now, but you understand what I mean. Like classic peak Rodon was that four-seamer up in the zone at uh, 94, 95 early and then would push to like 97, 98 by the end. And sometimes even like flirting with 100 or something, right? Like he would just get nuts. Um, I only saw that for two games. 
And then after those two starts of 96 in September, where he totaled 19 strikeouts, he then felt a 94 and change and then 93 and change. And that was his year. And with a forearm strain, Stephen Lyman made a really good point saying like, that's a tear, right? That's like a thing that doesn't just go away. You know, he's, it's going to come back again. So I'm terrified chasing Rodon. It depends on where you're getting him in your drafts. If you're getting him outside of like the SB4s that I talk about, um, then okay, I'm fine because like you're not really getting legit value. But I'm looking at my rankings and there are so many fun arms that I feel like I'm not going to drop through the year that's like living in my 40s and 50s still. Like there's your Christopher Sanchez and your Brian Bayo and your Cutter Crawford and even a little bit higher than that is Bailey Ober and... I've seen those guys go below Rodon in drafts, and I just don't feel comfortable doing that because I don't think we're going to see Rodon for a full year. Now, obviously, if Rodon is throwing 96 and sitting there and just having those like five inning, 10 strikeout, zero walk games in the spring, sign me up, right? Like I'm in for that, but keep in mind there is massive heightened injury risk with Carlos Rodon and. Yeah, it's going to be one of those situations that we might be like thrilled in April, but then come June, July, we might not be. Um, we have more to talk about. Of course, Marcus Stroman is now a Yankee. We also have Clark Schmidt. Are we going to like him or not? Um, there are There's Luke Weaver on the fringe. Uh, there might be another guy that shows up um, for the Yankees at some point, maybe like Blake Snell. And they have some interesting prospects in Will Warren, Chase Hampton, Luis Heal, and Clayton Beater. Those four you're going to know this year. And we're going to talk about all of those after this break. Marcus Stroman signed with the Yankees on a two-year deal. The question was, okay, is his hip okay? It feels like it should be okay. So as far as health goes, he got the surgery. He It should be fine. And that's good. Um, and as long as Stroman can find enough strikes, like not raise his walk rate again, he should be fine. It's a good defense with the Yankees. Uh, he's going to get you innings. He's going to get you some wins. I hope it's not like a 1-3 whip. I mean, that's really a product of uh, the walk rate, considering the last two years his hit rates went way down, and that's why he was around the 115. Cubs, thank you very much. He is really just a sinker guy with uh, a cutter and a, and a slider. And honestly, I think those pitches should uh, increase. That cutter is so good. And he does such a great job getting it inside to lefties. I really feel that Marcus Stroman should be throwing more of those to righties. Uh, he only throws it about uh, 20% of the time, even under that, to lefties. And that's about it. And the splitter kind of returned, but uh, or showed up for like 45% usage. And I don't really want that thing to exist. I mean, sure, at times it might be there. Cool. But like, uh, sorry, 45% strike rate, not usage for that splitter. I apologize. It's just not legitimate. And then there's like a curve for like backdoor strikes and stuff. But man, I just think that, uh, and by the way, like he separated out, or at least um, Savant defined his slider into a curve last year. So if you have confusion, like, oh, he added a curveball. He didn't. It's the same exact pitch. They just, because the cutter exists, they uh, they they just decided to classify it differently. And then there's like this weird, harder slider in between that he doesn't really throw. All I'm getting at is I hope that Stroman embraces that cutter and then utilizes this curve more as that whiff pitch. Like against righties, it should be sinkers inside, cutters away for the strikes that are really good and still whiffs, and then also the cut curveball underneath. Against lefties, it should be a ton of cutters inside. Um, curveballs for like backdoor strikes, maybe underneath as well. And then fine, if you want to do that sinker away a little bit, okay. I generally don't like it, but it can actually be very effective when it's down and away, considering that lefties do try to pull too many of these, I think, and they 
we'll ground out with it. At the end of the day, I think like Marcus Stroman is still going to have a sub four ERA. Like he's done this routinely and it's going to work that way. The whip is, uh, it's going to be weird if he can throw enough strikes. And I hope the cutter is that answer. Then uh, Stroman can be like 115, 120 whip again. But it's about that walk rate coming down with enough strikes and really leaning on that cutter. Because again, it is so good. He does such a good job of commanding that glove side. Um, so Stroman's solid. Like, I, I have no real issue getting him, especially in 15 teamers. I think he's a good solid win get play as well. Should be better volume. I know some are going to label him as an injury risk, but I think because he handled the uh, the hip injury stuff, like he got that out of the way, I think this is going to be a solid year for Stroman. So not really like a 25% strikeout guy, probably hovering that like 20% or so as a Toby. A very solid Toby and uh, 15 teamers take note. 12 teamers, sure, fine, especially quality start leagues. Like, you're gonna see Marcus Stroman pile up the quality starts once again. Uh, for Clark Schmidt, you should be on your radar at the very least. He's still figuring out exactly how he's gonna be uh, handling his arsenal, and there are some tweaks to be made in my view. But Clark Schmidt's gonna see a ton of innings because, again, Rodon and Cortez are gonna miss some time, they just are. It, there's a chance that the Yankees do sign Blake Snell. I mean, the rumors I've been seeing is that Blake Snell has only received one offer, and that's from the Yankees. And they're trying to push it up to this and that. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's like five or six years at 150, and that's that. We just call it a day. Um, but I something along those lines. And if Snell does show up, Schmidt likely is the one out. Then again, I think the Yankees are also waiting a little to see the health of Cortez and 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 Rodon, and if Cortez is laboring in any way, which he might be considering rotator cuff, then Schmidt still has that, that spot. He would just be taking Cortez as well. Snell is in the rotation, of course, right? I actually, I have an expectation that the Yankees are going to do it, considering just how slow the market has been, and everyone is kind of settling in at this point, and the Yankees go, yeah, we don't really want to rely too heavily on our prospects, because let me tell you, Luke Weaver is their number six right now, technically, and as much as I want to say that he finally separated out a slider and a and a cutter at the end of July, yeah, it's not quite it. He tried to do like the Cannibal McSanchez with that cutter, and the the slider is okay, and the fastball is not, and the changeup is okay. It's not really the pinnacle that it used to be. Luke Weaver is not the answer for the Yankees, so I think they're going to want to get Snell likely. And uh, anyway, Clark Schmidt is going to be like, oh, no, he's out of the rotation. He's going to be in the rotation for a good 100 plus frames, if not like 140, 150 this year. And I really hope he does, because if Clark Schmidt gets into a rhythm and figures out how to utilize his arsenal to its fullest, there's something to like here. I mean, against righties, he has the stuff already. Uh, I don't like that he throws 31% sinkers against righties. I think that should be saved more for like 20% inside to right-handers. You guys know me and sinkers. I don't like going back door. Same handedness. I think it's a low risk reward to do that. And especially with a guy like Schmidt that has a lot of options, just save that good sinker inside to righties. You can do that and it's a very effective thing. And also, if you throw it less, it becomes more of a surprise pitch inside as well. And with everything else going away, that really can startle guys and get you so many quick outs. Also, having a sweeper that he does, which is very effective, especially against righties. Uh, great pitch. We love that. We love the cutter that he throws to. And he has a bigger curveball, too, that he also saves for whiffs. So, like, all of those can just live away. That's great. You have a sweeper that sometimes Schmidt does throw in the zone a little too comfortably, and it does get hit decently hard. But the cutter is really good. 
it's a really good cutter that can live away for strikes and great don't do that with a sinker sure you want to play the x games of david Cohn of the cutter goes off the plate and then stun him with a back door if schmidt can learn that and be more consistent with it fine I don't truly believe that Schmidt is good enough at nailing that. And then there are too many times that that sinker then comes over the plate. And what do you know? It gets hit. So I would just say, don't really worry too much about that. Maybe stun them with that. But I would say 60-70% inside location should definitely be the way to go. Um, ideally, of course. Uh, and then lefties has always been the problem with Schmidt. Because if you have the sinker as your primary fastball, well, that's not going to really work against uh, lefties. You're not a front hip guy. Fine. The cutter should be. And that's really where he's trying to go with it. And that's cool. The sweeper doesn't work well against lefties as a righty. So what is the pitch? It's that curveball. And I think that's going to be the big question mark to me is how can you use that curveball against lefties effectively? Right now, it's a two-plane curve. Like, it really does have a ton of sweep, and it has depth. It can be very filthy. He tugs it a little too far against lefties, trying to get underneath the nitro zone, and I kind of feel like, hey, get it more middle down. It can still be really effective there. You save the sweeper for backdoor stuff. You save the cutter inside, and, you know, the occasional sinker is not the worst thing in the world. Trust me. Uh, I don't really think that the changeup should be utilized at all. He doesn't really have one, and that's fine. So this kind of all works with Schmidt. And the fact that it's more secondary focused does mean he's not going to be like a 20% strikeout guy. He's going to be closer to 25%. And if he's getting regular regular starts here, um, we saw last year from May to September that he had a sub-4 ERA. He had a, around a 120 whip, if not lower. It was like 118 or so between, I think it was like May 20th and September 6th. Like I'm not talking about some cherry-picked moment here. Like Schmidt ran out of gas at the end and then he didn't get into rhythm in the beginning. There's some value there. Um, 15 teamers. I would be circling uh, Clark Schmidt as a sleeper pick um, just for a winning ball club, solid defense, um, decent enough strikeouts. Like he will provide you value in your 15 teamers. 12 teamers. I don't think he pushes the needle enough and it's a little too risky, I think, with the ERA and the whip and also the opportunity he might get ousted a little or he might not be starting out of the gate. So I don't feel like I need to get him there. Uh, again, also, I am wish casting a little bit of those adjustments I'm talking about to make him better against lefties. And of course, dropping the usage to righties a little bit from 31% on that sinker. But uh, there is stuff to like about Clark Schmidt, and I certainly will be using him in my streaming rankings because, yeah, that's going to be cool. I don't expect him to be rostered in more than 25% of leagues. Actually, it's 20% because I give myself harder times when it comes to the streamer. Sorry, I just shouted in your ear. I apologize. So, relevant prospects right now. Um, Will Warren is the first one. I think he's going to get the first crack at it for the Yankees. He's someone that has this filthy slider. It is sweet, but it looks like it's too plain as well. Um, 95-96 on the sinker. And that right there says, cool, you can handle right-handers for the most part. Just those two pitches alone, awesome. The biggest question, obviously, is what he does against left-handers and there is a cutter in the mix there there is also a four-seamer that he utilizes and there is some reports on this Eric Loggenhagen had a great one of course about Will Warren um, saying that he can't up the ladder on it and I'm very curious to see how this pans out the biggest pushback is the 10% walk rate across about 110 innings last year maybe it's actually around 100 rather on the dot in um, AAA last season. But that's why Will Warren is the first one I think is going to get the chance. And I got to think, honestly, the Yankees have Warren, Hampton, Beater, and and Heel. And that's why they're okay sending off Thorpe and Randy Vasquez and Brito and uh, Michael King. Because they do have options, believe it or not, that are going to make impacts this year. So I think he's worth a spec add. 
Will Warren, um, when he does come up because the slider is that filthy and the sinker does look like a pitch that it means 95-96 that can get outs, right? At the very least, like, cool, you have a foundation here. I wonder how good that cutter is. I wonder if there's another breaker with that curveball that will help against lefties because sinker sweeper is not the key against lefties. Um, we'll see how this goes. Um, I might be more interested in Chase Hampton if he gets the opportunity. Uh, he has not made it to AAA yet, though, so I think Will Warren will go first. Because it's sinker sweeper for uh, for Will Warren, I don't know if, how that's going to be against lefties, and I don't like having some weakness that's so apparent like that, right? Now, Will Warren does look like a more complete pitcher when it comes to the arsenal. That is a 90-mile-per-hour cutter. There is two big breaking balls and a 93-94 uh, seamer that looks like it does excel upstairs, and that mix does speak well to uh, lefties and righties more effectively than Will Warren would. He also has had sub 10% walk rates um, in both A plus ball and double A ball when he pitched around 110 innings uh, in 20 starts last year as a first year in pro ball because he got drafted in 2022. And the Yankees were like, yeah, we're not going to push you this year. We're just going to um, ease you in a next year at 110 frames. But he could quickly uh, make a case for that rotation if he looks good in spring and then also looks good in AAA early on. I'm very curious to see what the StatCast data has on him. And I got to say, this year, when it comes to prospects, we're going to be better than ever with this. We also have a PL Pro um, exclusive uh, PLV minor league app in development that's going to make it so much easier for you guys to stay on top of not only pitchers, but also hitters in AAA. Uh, so for even for your redraft leagues, you think, oh, prospects are just redraft. You know that's wrong. You want to get the leg up on guys to know when someone does get the call. Is this someone you should be running to the wire or not? And we're going to do our best, of course, with our stash articles and even me talking about them week to week. But you're going to have this tool to look up guys on your own. Um, and that's just for PL Pro members. Uh, and I'm so, so stoked for that. And can't wait to see what uh, Chase Hampton looks like. Uh, for that, it's pretty much just mimicking the ones that we have for MLB players right now, just for minor league players in AAA, which is great. Why not double A and single A? Well, StackCast data, unfortunately, is not available across all stadiums there, and that's just how that is. Um, let's go with uh, Luis Heel and Clayton Beater now. Uh, first, I want to talk about Heel because I was able to look at his uh, 2021 data in our system with uh, the PLV apps because I've never done that before. And if you remember Heel when he did pitch, it was a four-seamer at like 96, 97, and then a slider that was pretty filthy and safe for two straight counts and did a good job at missing bats. But his command was a little bit off, like he didn't have uh, as high of a strike rate as I would want on those two pitches, like 63% and 60%, and that gave me a little bit of worry. But looking at it inside the app, oh man, high velocity, as I mentioned, great extension, uh, near near seven feet of extension, almost 17 inches of IVB and above average VAA. Normally you get like some balance there of get IVB, sure, but you don't get the VAA. No, he'll has it. That's a four seamer that can be elite, y'all. Like legitimately elite. He just didn't always get it upstairs. He did a decent amount, especially against lefties, also against righties. But man, that is so exciting. Slider is good. It's It needs more polish and he doesn't have really have anything else on top of that. At least that was in 2021. Then, of course, we saw him for one game in 2022. He got Tommy John. We haven't seen him since. He just had two games in AAA, four innings for Luis Heel. So I don't know what we're going to get this year. Fortunately, we're going to have AAA data on him. And uh, when he does make the jump, we'll have a good sense of his velocity, his, his pitch shape, 
how his secondaries are working, all of that stuff, pay attention because legitimately that is such a good four-seamer. I did not realize it was this good. I kind of like brushed it aside because I just felt he was too inefficient. And maybe that is still the case. Maybe he just can't locate effectively. He's a thrower, not a pitcher. But hot dang, that is a good, good four-seamer. And the fact that he has a slider that is actually whiffable also mm, makes me very, very excited. Could profile out to be a really good reliever for the Yankees because there isn't enough depth in that arsenal and strikes might be a bit of a problem. But if he does get a starting gig and is able to have a sub-10% walk rate in AAA, I will be very excited. Last one is Clayton Beater. Um, he was added to the 40 man, so you got to think that the Yankees are going to be looking to him to, uh, to actually start this year. Um, a lot of walks, 130 innings last year between Double A AA and Triple A, and it was 75 walks, which doubled is 140. So, oh boy, uh, that's a little, uh, a little scary. Actually, 150, uh, and that means that essentially it's a 4.5 plus um walk per nine, not like a five walk per nine in that time, right? Um, slider is the big, big thing. Um, for him, it is a filthy pitch. Uh, curveball's in there, too. He throws 93-94. That um, has horrible extension and makes me really, really terrified uh, as far as, like, it's not good VAA. It's fine IVB, but, like, he comes a little bit more over the top. That's why he has that IVB, but then it's also because he's over the top and doesn't get low on, like, dip and drive. That means he doesn't have a good VAA. And I feel like for Clayton Beater, that four-seamer is going to be the big detriment for him. So I don't really think Clayton Beater is someone you should consider for fantasy squads. Um, when he gets the call, um, it is a really good slider. Kind of makes him out more as a reliever um, with that slider focus and that poor fastball. And if he does start for the Yankees, I am not that excited. Maybe he does break down on the walks. Maybe the four seamers less of the of the arsenal um, than the others. Not quite sure. Obviously, keep an eye on it. But I feel like he's just going to be too inefficient um, and wouldn't start very long and walk too many batters. Have home runs off of that four seamer. Um, while he has a strikeout in an inning, and that's going to pull some people in, but I'm going to avoid Clayton Beater, who is a righty. I hear Clayton, and I just think you have to be a lefty. They put it in chat. G put this in chat, being like, if you are a, or maybe it was Fir Tree, um, if you are a Clay, you are a righty. If you're Clayton, you're a lefty. Beater doesn't listen to our rules, and that's whatever. All right, that is it for today. I'm looking forward to a, another full season with all of you. We're going to have one more Plus Pitch podcast, maybe one more here and there, until it's spring training. And when spring training arrives, you can expect me every single day. I'm going over the uh, the spring training performances. I will always say that tweet that goes out here guys to watch on TV. This is what we're excited about today. And then I will tell you how those games went uh, here uh, on this podcast as well. So looking forward to that one. But in February, don't really expect too much more of these podcasts. Just the Dodgers um, coming tomorrow. And uh, that might be it for a little bit. So strap in, guys. We've got a long season ahead. We've got Pitcher List 10, that is PLX, launching on Tuesday with my top 300 rankings. Oh, boy. Can't wait for that. I've also separated them out for them to be easier to read for you guys. I think it's uh, my guess. My estimate right now is it's going to be 80,000 words. I don't know. It's a book. (laughs) Enjoy it. Uh, But until then, my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babas be low and your strikeouts high.